Welcome back to Legal and Filtered. My name is Richard Sprinkle, and I'm here with attorney Franz Borghardt. We are here to discuss topics in the news and topics that can affect your life. Let's talk about body cams. We've talked about them before. There's all kinds of arguments for, arguments against. Should they be on all the time? Should they be triggered by certain events? There's technological questions, and there's also First and Fourth Amendment questions that pop up when you talk about recording every action someone does during the day. Franz, what is going on these days with, I'm, I'm hearing about streaming body cams, constant rolling body cams. So we're at an interesting time in technology to where these devices, and, and we're going to talk about a lot of issues with regard to them, these devices in the future, if not now, and I think the technology is not quite there, but in the future, these devices will be able to scan a crowd and do facial recognition. That's coming. That's coming. Um, these devices, if they're constantly streaming, will be able to be utilized in such a way that you won't have the every once in a while, oh, my camera was turned off or, oh, my camera was malfunctioning. The technology and the memory is only going to get better. But the but the big issue is this concept of right to privacy um, with regard to the population. Because if, if, if you have facial recognition, what's going to happen? You know, your camera is going to be on, you go to a fair and it starts scanning faces and it starts finding people that have active bench warrants or after active arrest warrants. So the big question these days is what's the sco- scope of privacy with regard to use of these? Now, as a group of attorneys that are friendly to law enforcement officers, and Richard and I have, have often said we're not anti-law enforcement, the other issue is what are the privacy rights of the officers? If these things are constantly streaming, do I want to do I want to watch Officer Martin eat his lunch? Do I want to watch Officer Martin use the bathroom? There's privacy rights, right? I don't want to hear Officer Martin talking to his wife or correct, his husband. Correct, and there should whatever. be an expectation of those privacy rights. So. Put that next to the whole issue of wanting to have footage, wanting to have footage, especially in police shooting cases, wanting to have footage in in, in criminal investigations because it's a component of evidence. And so what's going to happen is as AI technology gets better and we have this facial recognition technology that gets better, it's going to be an issue with regard to what is the limit of it, of those, of those, of those cameras and what, what they record. And then, and then the other side of this coin, Richard is, is what do we do with the footage once we have it? You know, let's say they're interviewing witnesses that don't want to be known to the world. What do we do with, with videos that let's say you have a cop shooting case and, and the victim's family wants to see the video, but it's a part of an active investigation. And, and we have this, this tug of war of, do we let the victim's family see it? Do we release it publicly? Do we taint a potential jury pool? Because, by the way, in a police shooting case, the police officer is both law enforcement officer and potentially an accused criminal defendant. Absolutely. So I, I, I think we, we're in a strange history of having this technology that's so awesome. Because a body camera, by the way, some of these body camera footage, the audio and visual are, are stellar. Um, it gives you a, a really good crisp picture of what the officer is observing in it so much as where it's planted, planted or mounted on the body of the officer. But you know, it just raises a lot of questions. And and my biggest thing, Richard, is I, I want footage. I, I want there to be a camera. I want officers to be to be to be using these these pieces of technology because at the end of the day, body cameras to me, they protect the good officers 
and they protect the good citizens. And if you, you know, I used this analogy the other day and, and some individuals in court kind of cringed. I view body cameras as the civil rights version of a bulletproof vest for citizens. I think it's the thing that protects citizens in a way that protects them just like a bulletproof vest for law enforcement officers. And I, and I don't mean any kind of insensitivity with that analogy, but if you think about the safeguards for, for good citizens that really aren't breaking the law, that encounter an officer that, that, that maybe is going a little bit too far, that body camera footage may be the, the, the thing that separates this citizen from being accused of a crime, for being prosecuted for a crime, being convicted of a crime. And more importantly, having a law enforcement officer that shouldn't be out there on the streets doing this kind of behavior. So I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the answer to this, this constant streaming. I, I do know, Richard, that I want them to be used and I don't want the officers to just be able to haphazardly turn them off when it conveniently fits their purposes. Now, the question is, is should states enact laws, should states enact laws that mandates the utilization of, of body cameras? And Let's just say the states do enact the laws that mandate the use of body cameras, because as it stands right now, and and maybe I'm wrong about this, but in the entirety of the United States, there is nowhere where aside from local department policies, there's nowhere with legislation that requires. So so I believe the Carolinas, I believe the Carolinas has has law that address addresses footage like dash camera footage for DWIs to where if they don't have it. It affects the ability to prosecute it. And, and some states may, in fact, have that legislation. We're in Louisiana. There is no consequence for not utilizing a camera. You know, and in fact, there's a certain righteous indignation that comes with, well, I mean, my credibility is in question because I don't have a camera. Why can't I? Why can't you believe my eyes? My eyes don't lie. Right. Well, shot spotter doesn't either. Right. So <laughs> so the question becomes is how would you frame that legislation? Do you want to live in a world where officers by legislative mandate have to utilize these these devices? And then what's the penalty? Is the penalty that like the like the exclusionary rule where the penalty is if you don't use the camera, you can't prosecute? Is the penalty that the officers in some way criminally sanctioned for not utilizing? Now, we're not talking about the instance where the officer has a malfunction that can be documented and known or that the, something happens because there's a scuffle and the, and the device breaks. We're talking about good old fashioned traffic stop where we know that the officer turns off their body camera. And, and you know, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted on this because I don't think it should be a crime when they don't use it. But I do think that, that there should be an, an effect uh, with regard to the criminal case and the citizens is accused of a crime. There should be an effect. And I like that model of maybe if you don't have your, your, your camera footage and you're supposed to, you know, what, by the way, what good is having a policy about the use of these devices if there's no consequence for not using the device? That question plagues me constantly because, you know, here in Baton Rouge, we have had instances where sometimes the same officer has a problem turning on their body cam when they should. And, you know, that question pops up a lot of times. People ask, look, technology is advanced. Why should we put it in the officer's hands? There's numerous ways the camera could be triggered. It could be triggered the minute the officer calls back into dispatch to say, I'm getting out of my car to take care of X, Y, and Z. The camera could be activated by a switch in the officer's uh, taser holster or pistol holster. Um, The 
camera could be activated whenever the car whenever the car door opens there's there's a million ways this could happen and personally i feel like we're not doing enough to ensure something gets done i think this falls into the category for most citizens and more importantly, most legislators, that until there is an extreme situation, an Alton Sterling shooting or a cop related shooting, until there's an extreme situation, it's not on most citizens radar. I posit we've had one. Oh, I, I definitely think Baton Rouge is, is definitely. I don't want to name have, names, but we've had instances. Right. And, and, and what was the lesson there? We have a Baton Rouge police department that now has a policy, but ultimately they have the discretion on when they're going to release those, those devices. But the policy does not, there's no legislative mandate for these devices to be used. And, and my point is that I think most quote unquote law abiding citizens until it becomes their issue it's not a front burner issue for them. I mean, because after all, I mean, I don't care if there's a body camera or not. I mean, the cop says he, he had a whole bunch of cocaine. He must've had a whole bunch of cocaine. Well, okay. That's fine for that kind of a case, but it may not be fine for, for officer says he saw a firearm and we utilize video footage to show that the, the quote unquote criminal did not have a firearm and that he was just shot at as a result of it. We had a case in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana recently where an officer accused a citizen of shooting at them or pulling out a gun. And it turns out that there was no factual evidence that supported that, even though the officer had shot at the, at the accused. And ultimately the, the DA's office in Baton Rouge decided, Hey, we don't have sufficient evidence. And that's, and that's the important thing is we're not saying he didn't do it. We just don't have sufficient evidence to support it. Well, ShotSpotter says there was only one fire, one shot fire, right. and so, that's pretty good. So so what are you left with? You're left with the question of why isn't there good footage or why isn't there a mandate to have the footage? Now, what we could do is we could write it into a, a lot of officers, and I'm only speaking for Louisiana right now. Some of our law enforcement agencies are civil servants, so you could write it into the civil service law if you wanted to. Um, that would require some some finagling. Um, you could make it a policy that if you don't utilize the device and you don't have a reason to utilize the device, it might be grounds for a, a, a termination. Um, but again, I, I go back to the fundamental question of what about the rights of the accused? If the ends justify the means then the damage is already done and can't be undone unless you have legislation that says, look, if you, if you have a law enforcement agent that has the capabilities and has a body camera and doesn't use it, there should be some kind of consequence akin to the exclusionary rule. By the way, the exclusionary rules for the for the uninitiated folks is is that we have a system, a constitutional system in place that if you don't give someone a right to a proper stop, a proper search, if you violate their constitutional rights in the in the transaction of, of arresting them, then you can exclude evidence. And not just that, you can exclude evidence that's the quote unquote fruit of the poisonous tree. Provided it's wrongful, wrongfully obtained. Right. So there's now there's there's a myriad of exceptions to this. But the point is, but the point is, is that what the what the Supreme Court has said is that's the consequence for violating constitutional rights is that we are not going to let you obtain illegally unconstitutionally obtained evidence and use it because you know what kind of world do we live in if 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 there's no consequence and you can trample all over constitutional rights in in a ends justifies the means um, world then 
that's what's going to happen is what, you know, why are we going to abide by policies, rules and constitutional rights when we can trample them and there won't be a consequence to it? And I think ultimately body cameras fit into that framework of, of it shows us when when cops do good. It shows us when cops do bad. And there's been cases and I forget what state it was. And even if I knew where it was, I wouldn't name the department just to keep things above boards. But there was a particular case where an officer's body cam showed him searching a backyard and in the backyard where he just arrested somebody, he finds a can full of drugs and they say, oh, look, these are the drugs that are in your constructive possession and we're going to arrest you for this. And later it came out that when you played the entirety of the tape, you saw the officer take the drugs out of the officer's pocket and place them in the can. So there's room for abuse of this. And my qu- my issue with the body cam is I think it's a wonderful technology. And like you said, I think it's there to protect both sides, provided it's not abused, provided the tapes aren't edited, provided the officers don't get to put their hand over the, the, the uh, lens. Or, or mute the audio whenever they want. And I'm not saying all police officers are bad, not by any stretch of the imagination. But if you have something there that's supposed to be a protection for both sides, then let it do its job. And look, you know, there are citizens that are accused of crimes that are screaming from the rafters. They planted that those drugs on me. I didn't have a gun or I'm innocent. And we look at them and we judge them. We judge their credibility, the credibility of officers. And at the end of the day, how nice of a world it is to have video footage, contemporaneous video footage that can prove them to be truthful, prove them to be liars. And in the instance of what you just described, I don't want the guy that had drugs planted on them. I don't want that guy going to jail for a a millisecond. In fact, I want that officer going to jail for more than a millisecond. And I'll be happy to work with him on the civil rights claim. Yeah. Yeah. But, but look, this is, you know, going full circle, the world we're living in is this is we're going to have to make some decisions as a society of, of, of how we want to balance wanting to have constant streaming video, the officer's rights, you know, what's the scope of that video? Are we going to want to integrate artificial intelligence to, to create algorithms to essentially, you know, do the facial recognition game of, and, and being able to capture people, you know, look, we're, for the most part, we're okay with license plate readers although we're not all okay with license plate readers. I'm fairly sure I saw one today in use. Yeah, we're okay with that to stop people that have bench warrants, arrest warrants, and all that. You know, the argument's going to be, well, how is facial recognition any different? Is it really that intrusive of, 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 a, of, a, of a... Is it that intrusive to scan faces in a public place to determine whether or not there are arrest warrants or bench warrants. Well, ponder this for a second while you're wondering how bad, how big of a deal is it that police body cameras are scanning faces? Uh, Folks, we're going to do a a facial recognition episode coming up soon. Uh, There's a lot of numbers to crunch and a lot of data to prepare on this one. But think on this. Two years ago, Georgetown did a study and they discovered that there are over 117 million faces in law enforcement database uh, databanks already. There's only about 350 million people in the United States. So a third of us are already on record for something. Now, if that's not a twinge of an invasion of privacy, I'm not sure what is. What I'm looking forward to is the same civil rights groups that want these body camera 
devices filming, when they start getting concerned about what those devices are recording, especially in the context of facial recognition, on that side of the coin, it's going to get very interesting. And, and look, I've said it before, Richard, as a civil rights attorney, as a criminal defense attorney, things move. The, the target gets very interesting in how it moves. The law enforcement officer that's making the arrest in a cop shooting case can easily become the criminal defendant. The citizen that is the quote unquote criminal can easily become the victim. In certain cases, things, the target moves very quickly. And these devices are wonderful in so much as their assistance in making those determinations. But when you have civil rights groups that are looking at at these devices that in one breath they're lauding and, and saying, we need them, we need them, we need them. And in the second breath saying, well, wait a minute, let's, let's hit the brakes here. Let's be careful with what we use them for because they might start trampling on civil rights. Perfect hypothetical. Big... Uh, big demonstrations going on. A lot of very loud, boisterous groups are out there, and we've got individuals on the periphery, individuals that are watching. We, it, it happens at all of these. But let's say you are curious and you're watching, and you're maybe standing behind a group of Antifa or standing behind a group of the KKK or standing behind a group of the Black Panthers. As those body cams scan through, they see you right there with the group. You're now associated with that data in some data bank somewhere. It's scary stuff. It really is. I think there was that movie. Look, I'm a big Marvel comic fan and comic movie fan. And what was it? Winter Soldier, where they had developed an algorithm to determine who was going to be a threat based on online presence and data collected from social media and all sorts of your birth records, your parents' records. And they were able to create create an algorithm that was going to determine whether or not you were going to be a quote unquote threat to society or not, and then eliminate you if you were. Science fiction, but in the same breath, look, I don't put it past anybody that has the means of doing it to do it. That's just the ultimate technological profiling is yeah. all that really is. And we love collecting data, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we often joke about the world we live in where if we talk about needing to get a new cell phone, then on Facebook, I'm not singling out Facebook, but we on Facebook, we start getting advertisements for new cell phones. You know, I, I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, certain apps on your phone, I won't single them out, certain apps on your phone, if you just vocalize wants and desires, guess what starts happening? Ads will definitely pop up. The thing is listening to you. Uh, there's been enough studies that, that this is this is just dead letter now. The machine so, is listening. So in the end, what kind of world do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where law enforcement uses these devices as we want them to? In, in doing their daily jobs and their duties, but the devices do so much more than just capture video. Do you want to live in the world where the quote unquote ends are going to justify the means? Or do you want to live in the world where we, 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 we want them to be videoed, but we don't want them to be videoed. And then just let's, let's just take some cues from the transportation industry, aircraft, trucks, trains, they all have black box recording devices on them that will establish facts after an accident happens. Uh, it tells speed. It tells the last time the vehicle stopped. It tells the whole nine yards. But you know what's key? In none of those cases does the operator of the vehicle have the ability to manipulate anything with the device. Well, the, the manipulation in these cases is turning it on and off utilizing it or, so if, or editing the video right so so and i don't know and and, and i've never encountered a a situation where 
editing has happened with law enforcement. I've encountered situations where law enforcement visually turn off their camera or, or cover the audio such that it can't be used. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, the times are a change and it's going to get very interesting. Um, I want these devices to be used. I want to see what happened in as much as they are excellent evidence, ev- evidentiary collection uh, mechanisms. But in the same breath, you know, we got to look, we got to look towards what Big Brother is doing. And folks, we're going to continue to do stories on this as, as it evolves. I'm, I'm very excited about what technology can do. Um, one of the episodes that we want to do in the future is an, is an artificial intelligence and criminal justice system. Um, topic and, and podcast because I, I'm, I've blogged on it before, Richard. I've done presentations on it before. It's, it's you know, we, we're living in a world where in, the, in, in maybe not this generation, but in the future, you're going to have artificial intelligence making fact determinations. You're going to have artificial intelligence making determination. We have this in the criminal justice system now. Artificial intelligence is making recommendations to judges about whether or not to probate somebody or what kind of sentence do they need to have. Possibilities of recidivism. The whole exactly, exactly. Yes. Well, that's about it for this episode of Legally Unfiltered. This is Attorney Franz Borker. I'm here with Attorney Richard Sprinkle. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and stay tuned for our next episode. The views and opinions expressed in Legally Unfiltered do not constitute legal advice. If you would like legal advice on the topics that we've discussed, send us money. That's right. Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.